0: Welcome back to the GT Counter Podcast. My name is Tyler. Today, me, Grayson, and Reed are going to hop into the coaching carousel. Some of the moves that have been made, our favorites, our least favorites, uh, which ones we think are going to work, and a whole lot more. Uh, Hope everyone is having a good week and had a great weekend, exciting weekend of football and sports in general. Uh, We will be back on... Thursday or Friday this week to get you ready for the Christmas weekend. We obviously hope that everybody has a safe weekend of travels and we hope you will make us a part of it. So until then, we will see you next time. And here is our coaching carousel episode. This episode of the GT counter podcast is presented by Zencaster, the all-in-one solution, making podcasting easy. Zencaster provides high quality audio and video recording production and hosting, right for everyone's individual podcasting needs. Being a creator has never been easier. Just look at us. We started using Zencaster because we are a couple of dudes who like to talk about sports, entertainment, and the goings on of life. With the help of Zencaster, we've been able to get our thoughts produced and transmitted at the highest quality to you, the listeners. It's super easy to get started. All you need is the internet, and you too can create high quality podcasts in no time. The best part is that this is all in one if you choose. You can record, produce, and transmit your podcast to all major podcast platforms all in one stop using Zencaster's easily accessible dashboard from your computer, tablet, or smartphone. All you need to do is go to Zencaster.com pricing and use our code GT for a generous 30% off your first month of any paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story with Zencaster. And I kind of want to rank these, let's do this. We'll do from the most interesting to you to the least interesting to you. Any coaching move that was made this offseason. I'll start first, then we'll go Grayson, then Reed. Um, I think the most interesting hire for me, to be completely honest here, is not going to be Texas A&M. I think it's actually going to be Duke getting Manny Diaz on the door from Penn State, a guy who really didn't struggle too much at Miami, but was uh, fired once they thought that they could get Mario Cristobal, which they ended up getting. Uh, We see how well that's worked out for Miami, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Manny Diaz went to Penn State, became defensive coordinator and rebuilt that side of the ball into one of the top five units in college football this year. And so I think it's deserving that he gets another chance. A Duke program that was built up really well by Mike Elko. And, uh, you know, I think that they'll be able to keep the train rolling. He's already been able to get out on the recruiting trail, uh, work in the portal. I think uh, I think Duke will be set up there. So I really, uh, I like the move for Manny Diaz.
1: Are you, uh, are you worried about Manny Diaz going there? Or is it just like, you know, he's a great defensive-minded coach, very similar to that of Mike Elko. What is it like? what kind of OC does, is he going to get to kind of set the standard? You know, like he, he needs a good offensive coach coaching hire.
0: Of course. I mean, yeah, it's, it's always an issue about the staff that you bring in, but, uh, he's been around the block enough. I'm sure he has connections and, uh, would not be surprised if he's able to bring in a big time name there.
1: Do you think that the, you know, the expectations of Manny Diaz is to, you know, beat Clemson within the next two years or, Is that kind of the bar that you want to set for a Duke program? I mean, they beat them this year, but is it a lot to do with Mike Elko? Is it a lot to do with Riley Leonard kind of played out of his mind in that game? They got a couple good turnovers. I mean, what's the bar? What's the expectations for Manny Diaz?
0: I think it's just being like bowl eligible to start year one. Obviously, year one of a new culture is going to be a little bit different than this year. But, you know, I think they can push to be like a 9 or 10 win team in an ACC that, let's be realistic here, hasn't been very strong outside of, you know, Florida State and Clemson here res- recently. So uh, I think that there's a big chance there for Duke to kind of stake their claim as the, you know, maybe the third best team in the ACC. I don't think that's unreasonable.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. You uh, you know, Manny Diaz coached underneath uh, Mack Brown for a little bit. Mack Brown fired him after week two at, uh, at Texas after a BYU loss you think his blood's boiling to play, to play a little North Carolina Tar Heels this year or what?
0: I'm sure anytime you can take on your former boss, I'm sure uh, it's a little bit of an extra motivating factor.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. You got anything on, uh, on Diaz Reed?
2: you know, I think it's, you know, I'm sure they would have given Mike Elko, you know, a lifetime contract there What he was able to do in such a short amount of time. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty lofty expectations if they expect them to you know get to where Elko took them. Um you know I imagine they had a lot of you know turnover there with you know obviously Ryan Leonard leaving among some of the other skill positions and really the whole team there. Uh I would expect a pretty moderate dip um for Duke and you know I'd be shocked if they are able to get up to you know that level again. I am just out on Manny Diaz, I think it, Mike Elko is a significantly better coach. So I don't think they, frankly, you know, if they win eight games in the next couple of years, that's big time for them. Cause I just, I don't see, I don't think they'll get there. Yeah.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Moving on to me. I think that my biggest hire of the coaches carousel so far has to be Willie Fritz going to Houston. You know, this guy is what some would call a program flipper. He hops over there, coaches for five or six years, makes a program as good as it can be with what it has, and he's credentialed, man. He's done it. He did it in junior college at Blinn. He did it at Central Missouri in the D2 era. Did it at Sam Houston State, FCS. Did it at Georgia Southern. Did it at Tulane as of recent and led Tulane to – a couple of Sunbelt wins, a couple of conference titles, and now he's moving over to Houston. And with the Big 12 losing a couple of teams, adding a couple of more kind of weakening as a conference, I think this is a great spot for him to be in to potentially get a conference title within the next four or five years. You know, get, Give the guy a chance to come in and flip a program, especially a good Houston program centralized in one of the best cities for fo- uh, football.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have to agree with you. I this was on my list as one of my favorites as well. Uh, all he's done is win everywhere he goes. He was obviously coveted last year, even more so this year, and a Big Twelve opening in Houston. Uh, obviously, great recruiting grounds there. Can't blame him for taking it. It's going to be a, uh, it's a powerhouse job. So uh, definitely an upgrade, and one I'm sure he's ready to take. It. Yeah.
2: obviously when you know somebody has that type of resume it's a big time hire so it's going to be interesting you know the you know kind of higher level you go we'll see if the you know success continues to happen I guess um but yeah I think I think it was a slam dunk hire and you know I'm excited to monitor that for sure
1: yeah I completely agree with you um do we want to you guys want to nail it we talked about really Fritz you want to talk about John Summerall taking that that job there
0: yeah i mean Summerall is kind of similar he won big at troy it's really hard to win big at a place like troy um i loved his opening speech where he was like we're gonna we're gonna make the playoff and we're gonna win the thing i thought that was pretty hilarious to come out and say at a, at a place like tulane but you know with the 12 team playoff i uh i love the aspiration so uh i think as for losing a guy like fritz uh Summerall is probably the best you could do, and he is an outstanding coach. So I think that's a great move for Tulane.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that this Tulane job could be a, you know, a slingshot job into a into a big SEC from here. I, I know there was a lot of talk about him going to, you know, when Mississippi State and whatnot when that job was there. There was a lot of talk about him going over to Mississippi State and becoming that head coach. And you know, it's probably better that he didn't. Mississippi State, I think, is a tough coaching job to go be great at in the SEC. It's just kind of one of those mid-tier SEC schools. And I think Tulane could propel him to a better SEC job or a better Big Ten job or really whatever job he wants to do if he has good success at Tulane.
2: Should be interesting. Um, I got two here that I loved. You guys know I'm the Power 5 guy. Take uh, the send of my guns there. You want me to rattle off both of them, or are we going one at a time here?
0: I'll take both. Uh
2: obviously we've talked about already uh Mike Elko. I you know, just the transformation that he did at Duke was insane. Uh taking them from a two win team to really an eight and nine win team in, in two years. So you just don't see that very often. He's obviously doing something right. And with the resources at AM, I think that's it may not be the biggest name that you know people are accustomed to but the people that really know ball can see that this guy's with resources. I mean, he's going to be, I think we'll see them flip, you know, sooner rather than later. So expecting big things there. I think that was a good hire for A&M, believe it or not. And another one that I loved, you know, talk about a, a team in turmoil, Michigan state goes out and hires Jonathan Smith. And, You know, when is the last time Oregon State has been relevant? I mean, it's not an easy place to recruit. It's not an easy place to win. And, you know, he flipped this team. And for the last two years, they've been really good in a Pac-12 that's continued to get better. um, Maybe the best it's ever been this year, RIP. But, yeah, I think that's just the job he did there was really good. And go over to a place with Michigan state who I know it's in turmoil right now, but that is not a lot of a job. He's going to have more resources there. You're obviously in the big 10 now. So again, he was able to bring some of his transfers over and some of his, you know, initial players from Oregon state with him. So uh, a bright future there, not saying that'll happen in year one. I don't think it will, especially with, you know, the big 10 being a lot better now, but at some point, I think he'll get it squared away uh next couple of years, and I think that was a really good hire there.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I have to agree. As weird as it was seeing him leave his alma mater, I mean, for the bag that he received and for the, the funding and opportunities he'll get, I'm not sure you can blame him too much for it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think I miss Michigan State being relevant in college football. That needs to happen again. It's been a while since they've been they used to be back in the day. I mean, probably what seven or eight years ago, they were a very relevant team, like top twenty-five nationally ranked every single year.
2: Um, that was even more recent than that. I mean, you know, a couple years ago, they were you know top twenty-five every single year. It seemed like, and it's seemed like a slow decline um, ever since. Can't remember the coach's name before Mike D'Antonio or Mike. D'Antonio, yeah, Mike D'Antonio was there. So, uh, yeah, not sure. That they could have gotten a better guy. Um, I think it's going to be a good fit there. And it was funny to see him auction off some of his old Oregon State gear to the local Goodwill, um, with his name imprinted on the back of some gear. Not sure if you saw that, Grayson, but some Oregon State, you know, jackets were found in Goodwill with Jonathan Smith's name and Sharpie in the back. So love some lucky that. kid will enjoy those, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, gotta gotta love that. I still have uh, I still have nightmares from when. Michigan State was relevant and they ran that fake field goal in Notre Dame and there's there's still nightmares about that game. Um I do want to hit on that Mike Elko hire a little bit Reed. Uh what are your what are your thoughts? I know we were worried we were worried about like getting an OC for Mike Elko. We knew Texas A&M had everything that they needed. Do we do we love Colin Klein or
2: Colin Klein is the man. I'm excited to see what they do, you know, Elko running the defense, Klein running the offense going to be one of my teams moving forward that it's going to be they're gonna be one of my teams to watch man i am excited uh you know they feel like they got everything you could need you know elko's gonna turn around the defense he's proven that he's going to get texas kids i mean you're gonna get athletes you have resources i mean i i would be utterly shocked if they are not a nine win team every single year I I really think they'll be that good. And I know they have higher expectations, I'm sure, but uh, the baseline there is is set pretty high in my opinion.
0: Can we just follow up with Mr. Klein and see if he still thinks Avery Johnson is going to win a Heisman?
2: Yeah, we may need to get our Hail Mary preseason bets in there because that, although I didn't see who took over for, uh, I guess Klein is the OC. I'm not sure if they've even named one yet. Um,
0: i don't believe they have
2: i'm curious to see if he'll stick around i'm sure he will but as in avery johnson that is but yeah i'll have to i'll do some digging i'll get back to you on that one
0: we appreciate that um i've got to hit one that i like and one that i really dislike so we'll start with a positive first utep hiring scotty walden the head coach of austin p uh, fun story. Scotty Walden recruited me out of, uh, high school. He was at division three East Texas Baptist. Um, that spring he recruited me that summer. He was gone to Southern Miss to be the wide receivers coach. And he is now the, one of the youngest D one coaches in all the country. So, uh, I think each coordinator and most of his position coaches are now D one coaches as well. So, uh, quite the group he had there in uh, little old Marshall East Texas. So, uh, Scotty Walden is one of the the brightest offensive minds in college football. UTEP desperately needs that after Dana Dimmel and his dinosaur offense were in El Paso for years and years at this point. Uh, Should be a great facelift, and I'm really excited to see them work. Scotty, Texas guy, uh, back in Texas, going to get to recruit the state pretty heavily. I think he's going to kill it out there on his way to a high major D1 job, so I love that hire. The one I hate, uh, Boise, sticking with Spencer Danielson, the interim head coach, I just thought they could have done better, to be completely honest with you. Names like Kellen Moore getting floated around and you know some big-time names out there. Boise's a big-time job, and I get that this guy led you to a Mountain West title. I get it. It's hard to turn your back on the guy who just won out the rest of the season to get you a title, but just couldn't help but think that there might be better options on the table. And you, you might wonder if maybe next year, if they go 6-6 six and six or something, if they start to have, you know, maybe some regret about this decision.
2: I don't know, Ed Slull. That's an interesting one. Adam, did he sign an extension? Is that what ended up happening? Did he sign a long-term deal?
0: They removed the interim tag and gave him a head coaching, like, contract.
2: Yeah. So he did get a new contract. Well, yeah, maybe... Uh, obviously, something to revisit, but at some point, you know, when you win, what did he win? The last five, I think, and then the title.
0: I think it, it was less than that. Like, because Avalos got fired after they won by 30, and then I think he won out the remaining like three games, including the Mountain West title, because he and Jimbo got fired on the same week.
2: If my memory serves, I think they might have won three and then the championship. That might have been it. I'm not, I'm not sure, but you know, regardless, you know, for how big of a hole they were in for him to flip it around that fast. I'm not saying that it was, you know, that's what should have happened, but it would have been pretty brutal for him to get get the door or stay in that same position or whatever it may be at the end of the year. So I guess time will always tell on that one. Um, You know, it would have been interesting if, you know, Kellen Moore was, you know, interested in that job. I'd imagine to some degree he would be, but, you know, college coaching isn't for everybody. So... Hard to know there, but yeah, I think that'll be, I'm glad he got the job because it's not only did he help me out, but uh, I think that's just a a good program and, you know, he deserved it.
1: Uh, One I'm going to talk about is the hire for James Madison. Uh, Bob Chesney gets the job from Holy Cross. This guy is, you know, like a lot of these coaches, an absolute winning machine. Um, came into Holy Cross in 2018, left with five straight Patriot League titles, 44 and 21 in his time at Holy Cross. And I think the most outstanding thing is this guy's career head coaching record is 111 and 46. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you know how many undefeated seasons that is in a row to have 111 wins to 46 losses and 21 of them are from Holy Cross. So he was I don't know. You do the math on it yours. Anyways, getting the point across, I have a I personally have a buddy that plays at Holy Cross and they were in love with this guy. This guy is freaking such a good coach. So, this is a great hire for JMU who's already a w- very very established winning program in FCS and now in FBS. So, this will be a this will be really interesting. I'm sure he'll he'll flourish in this in this coaching spot.
0: Yeah. I guess we should probably note that their coach, Kurt Signetti went to Indiana and on his first day, his head coach proclaimed that Purdue sucks, uh, which was, which was one of the most hilarious moments of this entire cycle.
2: Yeah. That's just, if you're going to go in there and, and do your thing, you might as well just do it like that. You know, be bold and confident. And, uh, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does, you're instantly a legend. So, uh, you love that.
1: As long as everybody knows who the, uh, the best team in Indiana is. It's okay. There's only one answer to this.
2: IUPUI. Go no. Jags.
0: I mean, you would say, you would say Purdue Reed. I, I guess.
2: When it comes to basketball. Yes. Football. Absolutely not. But yeah, play, I, I do the, have play to the the play the music. Play
1: the music.
0: No, thank you.
2: I have to, I don't know if any of you saw this, did anybody see the interview with Syracuse's Fran Brown? Um, I think it was his, you know, press conference. Uh, one of the like the most like under the radar funny stories. He was basically like, "Listen, I'm here for life," and then like five seconds follows it up with, "You know, once my gr- once my daughter graduates, then that I'm out." But but I'm here for life. He's like, like, you
0: got twelve years of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: he, he quickly rejected that. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be. You know, I'm. He, he was the DC at Georgia, I believe, or uh, defensive
0: the, backs coach.
2: DB coach. Well, pretty good get for him. Um, but yeah, thought that was funny. He's. I'm here for life. He's like, listen, I'm about loyalty. But yeah, when my uh, when my daughter graduates, I'm out. <laughs>
0: That what are, was hilarious. It was it was too funny.
2: What are your guys' thoughts on
1: North Dakota's state's head coach leaving in the middle of their playoff run to USC? I mean, you're you're in the he's, semifinal game and you're just see ya deuces. We ain't making it to first go, no confidence. I
0: I just don't think he's built like some of the last ones. Like the last North Dakota State head coach to leave was uh, the guy at Kansas State, now Chris Kleiman most of the previous North Dakota state head coaches who have left left to go be head coaches. And now this one's going to go leave to be an assistant. I don't know, man, something just seems fishy there. Maybe it was predetermined before the year. Maybe, you know, something happened there with North Dakota state, but just fishy. Not sure. Not sure how it came about. Definitely don't like it, but you know, it is what it is, I guess.
2: The only thing I can think of is, you know, people assume that, you know, he was kind of riding in the coattails there and that, you know, maybe he wasn't as good of a coach and maybe wouldn't be able to elevate maybe as high as he wanted to and felt like he had to go go to the Power Five first as a coordinator and see what job he can land then. I have no idea. It is a little bit weird. It makes you really wonder what's going on. But, uh, I mean,
1: in, in retrospect, this is probably the worst North Dakota state team that we've seen like in from a national ranking standpoint in forever. They're they're not they're not number one in the country. They're not number two in the country. I think they were ranked like number nine or ten. So I mean from a retrospect, they're not the best North Dakota State team that we've seen in the last decade. So I mean they're in the semifinals, so that's cool. But they're not gonna beat South Dakota State anyways. I don't
0: I was about sorry. to say they're not even the best Dakota team.
1: Yeah, yeah. They did well,
0: beat South other, That's true. That's true. Um, any other hires that we need to hit here? Uh, I'm tapped out here, but do either of y'all have one that you want to hit?
1: Do, do we need to touch Jeff Levy from Mississippi State? Or
0: Yeah, we probably should, to be completely honest with you. Um, interesting hire. Mississippi State in the past, when things have gone good, has been offensive guys. Uh, you think back to Dan Mullen, offensive guy. Obviously, the late-grade pirate, Mike Leach, offensive guy. This year, terrible circumstances for Zach Arnett, filling in for Mike Leach, uh, but clearly wasn't the right fit, so they go back to what worked best, which was offense. So, got to respect it, and uh, surely they think it'll work out. Say what you want about Jeff Lebby. He had a great offense at OU. Uh, obviously, different like level of player there than he'll have at Mississippi State, but Given time, if he can avoid the whole Art Bryles connection, I'm sure he'll be okay.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's just a tough place to to uh, recruit, I would imagine. I know it's SEC, but the SEC just got a lot harder. So they are – it's going to be tough. It's not a desirable job. Um, so best of luck there. I, I, you know, I think it'll be tough.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. I just, this, like you said, Reed, this is just not a good job to want to take. For all SEC schools, I mean, this is the one where it's like, you're not going to be able to out recruit Georgia. You're not going to be able to out recruit Bama. You better figure out how to run an offense that nobody's going to see. I mean, that's kind of how it is. And to hire Jeff Levy is like, to me, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, he's an offensive minded guy, but. At a Mississippi State program, you need to run an offense that nobody's going to see except for once a year. You need to hire a guy that's going to run, you know, I don't know, like Mike Leach does where he's freaking spread, airing the absolute crap out of the ball. So, I don't know. I, I think that's just – you're not going to win a whole lot of games trying to recruit these other SEC schools.
2: Maybe they're going to move to the MAC, and he has the uh, the one up there because the SEC needs to, to – you know, two, two coming in, some got to go out. And I'm in Vanderbilt over there. The two on the doorstep there that probably have no business being in the sec. So maybe it, uh, he will be a powerhouse in the Mac, but yeah, it's going to be, it's, it's a tough job just because it's kind of that mediocrity land where it's like, it's, you could very well, nothing goes right. And you know, you're out of a job, but Hey, he's, I don't believe he's ever been a head coach. You can, somebody could quote me on that. So, uh, I guess, you know, it's hard when you've you know been waiting your whole life to be a head coach and finally a job opens up and you're like, it's SEC. Like, how could I not take it? But uh, wouldn't be shocked if his name gets shuffled through another four years.
0: In fairness, though, like Ole Miss has dealt with the same issues with Kiffin and they've won at a high level, especially this year, a 10 win team. Just shows that you, if you can be effective in the portal and you, you have good schemes, like you can, you can get it done. And certainly, Levy, he comes from the Bryles tree, obviously, being related to him. Bryles, known for having offense. I'm sure he'll have a good scheme in place. It's just about getting the guys in there to do it. I imagine they're going to do a lot of work through the portal because it's just easier to get guys who are more of a finished product to come and say, hey, like, come put us over the top instead of a high school kid who's got offers from you know, 19 Power 5 schools and Mississippi State's probably not even a top-five offer. So I think he'll have more success in the portal. And to be completely honest with you, that's probably a better way to go for a school like Mississippi State.
2: You think and NIL too, uh, you know, it's, I don't know what their situation is like, but now more than ever, you know, if you have money and you have playing time to offer, you can get some kids that you maybe wouldn't get otherwise, you know, it could be easier. So I'm not sure what their situation is like at all over there in terms of NIL, but you know, could be an opportunity for those guys to go and get some money
1: i'm sure they have absolute cash over there being in the sec i'm sure they have plenty of money in IELTS to, to spread out to every bill bob and joe that want to come play for them i'm sure Um, but yeah I, I i don't know about this whole head coaching job here i know you ever i know he has a really good offensive scheme and stuff like that it's just it's hard to go to the sec especially at a team that's kind of mid-tier like this I mean, do we? What would be a good expectation for them?
0: Be bowl eligible first.
2: Yeah, I think bowl eligibility would be the first start that they, you know, would love to get to, especially if it happens early. But you know, moving up from there. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough.
0: That'll do it for this episode of the GT Counter Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening and tuning in as always. Just a reminder, you can still update your picks in our Capital One Bowl Mania League, uh, but those entries are now closed. So best of luck to everybody. We will provide an update on our podcast later this week. Uh, Hope everyone has a happy holiday season this year, and we will see you later this week for another episode of the GT Counter Podcast. And until then... Be the man in the arena, go make some money, and we will see you next time. Peace out, everybody.